Bushy Ridgey here with your daily takeaway podcast. Got a hell of a show for you just around the corner, including one hell of an argument in Film Club, which is a good, healthy thing. But before that, I just wanted to say respect to my friend Phil, who came over to our workplace last night after the show, because we're going to go and have some food. And he asked if he could borrow my key pass to go to the loo at Absolute Radio. Went the wrong way and set off all the fire alarms. Oh, no! Have you ever like set off like a big alarm or anything like that? I remember I, I was DJing uh, a, like a hotel in down by the waterfront in in central London, and they gave me a smoke machine. This, I, I mean, this is not my kit, but I was just I was told mm-hmm. you press this button and smoke comes out. And I, I did, gave it a couple of squirts of smoke, set off the fire alarms. The whole hotel had to be evacuated. It was <laughs> just, awful. Just on a technicality, does smoke squirt or does it a puff? It kind of squirted. It was really weird. It was like. Pss, pss, pss. I'd love we. I'd love us to get a smoke machine for one of our little eighties versus nineties gigs. That'd be great fun. Wouldn't Wouldn't that be good? Press a little button, fire it up. Oh man, it'd be ace. Well, that does sound like uh, from what you've just said, it's laced with a little bit more jeopardy than we actually thought. If there's two of us pressing buttons, uh, I, I've got a feeling we could go <laughs> a little bit giddy on smoke. This is Bush and Rich's daily takeaway. Showbiz weekend for us coming up. It's the Teenage Cancer Trust gigs at the Royal Albert Hall this week. And on Saturday, Bush and I get to host Kasabian uh, onto the stage. Can't wait. It's going to be great. But it's not just the whole onstage stuff that I'm looking forward to. It's the fact that you and me, we get to go behind the scenes backstage at the Royal Albert Hall. Not many people get to do that. I mean, I, I, I've done the stuff on stage for the Teenage Cancer Trust uh, a, couple, a few times now. And the best bit, obviously, it's brilliant to see all the people out front. And you lot, we can't wait to see you lot on Saturday. Because we know that people are coming to see Richie and I just as much as they are to see Kasabian. And we're, un, we're under no illusions to that. But um, the, behind the scenes of the Teenage Cancer Trust at the Royal Albert Hall is just unbelievable. Because the Royal Albert Hall's got so much history. There are so many little weird corridors and stuff. And you go to these little rooms and you think, well, the Who might have just been doing some stretches in there before playing live at some point, you know? It's steeped in history, being able to see peer behind the, the the scenes of it a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Really looking forward to it. I, I think as I as I look back, the most exciting behind the scenes I've ever been able to do was was probably as a kid. And this this really dates things because you certainly, for obvious reasons, wouldn't get to do this now. But I remember being invited into the cockpit of a flight to Stockholm when we were kids. Uh, yeah. To go, having we we had two weeks in Stockholm with mum and dad. Um, and that the flight over there, the, like the, the hostesses came down and said, "Would you like to go and have a look in the cockpit and all that kind of thing?" We were in there for about ten minutes. It's amazing. Certainly wouldn't happen now. But that was about the most exciting behind the scenes thing that has ever happened. Uh, for me, uh, two things for me. Firstly, uh, my, a little tour around Goodison Park. I went into the changing rooms at Goodison Park, obviously yeah. of my beloved Everton Football Club. Incredibly small changing rooms. Never seen anything like it. So it was it was ace to be behind the scenes there. And then also, I mean, this was years ago now, but I, one one summer back at the tail end of my university days, I worked, and I mentioned this before on the show, but I was one of the towel guys at Wimbledon. So we used to go in and put all the towels in like the number one or centre court changing rooms and get it ready for... The, the games that day and that was just amazing to be to be in that little tunnel you remember there was a guy that used to be the enforcer for Wimbledon with like mirrored sunglasses do you yes. remember him uh, we used to we used to stand in that tunnel behind him whilst he was kind of surveying what was going on in centre court and it was like wow it's like being on TV Mrs M has tweeted us to say uh, she had a look at a different angle of the science museum after being evacuated when a fire alarm went off was whisked down the back stairs and out with the kids do you know what? Another thing that we've done that has been great to be behind the scenes of was, you remember when we did uh, that uh, day of a show in bed from the Arndale Centre yes. in Manchester for Cash for Kids? 
so you, I got to see behind the scenes of a shopping centre. Now, the only other time I've ever been behind the scenes of a shopping centre was when uh, me and, you know, Rupert Evelyn from IT, ITN News? <laughs> a name that rings a bell, yes. Yeah, uh, so me and him were doing, like, work experience back in the day in Bath, and we did Vox Pops in a shopping centre without getting previous permission. So we got <laughs> taken through the back <laughs> corridors and told off by the manager of the entire <laughs> mall, which was nice. So that's the only other time I've been behind the scenes like that. You need one more shopping centre to let you go behind the scenes for your hat trick. Anywhere that wants me to go, South End would be great. Victoria, get in touch. <laughs> uh, Spike went to Paris with his youth club back in the day and says, I, <laughs> I went on a guided tour of this Paris sewage system. You don't get wow. more behind the scenes than that. That must have stunk. I mean, if you're going all the way to Paris, you would have kind of thought the Louvre or Arc de Triomphe or something like that to go, to go underneath to see the Parisian sewage. That's gross. Uh, James says, countdown in Ooh. 2007. I was on it. I was backstage in makeup. Carol Vorderman walked in and said, hello, big boy. You should know in context, I am six foot seven. Uh, Andrew Wilcox has tweeted us a photo of him in a thing he calls Dylan Thomas's writing shed. Although that sounds like a band that our producer Nick might listen to at an alternative <laughs> ironic festival. <laughs> uh, this one from Tom. I love this, although from what I've seen of Formula One, I'm not sure how behind the scenes this is. But he got to go to the pits at Silverstone in 2001. Uh, Schumacher, Ooh. Hakkinen, Kylie Minogue, JK... Free food, he says. It was all right, I suppose. But when you look at it, like these days, the pits uh, on a Formula One weekend, any old Herbert's in there. Do you, do you know what, though? I've been to the pits before. Have you? Yeah, Barry Island Butlins back in the late 80s. It was awful. <laughs> the Daily Takeaway. Richie's daily takeaway. There was a fella on the train uh, a couple of days ago that had an item with him that took me right back to my school days. Uh, he was sitting about two or three rows ahead of me on the right-hand side, and he had one of those head bags. Do you remember those head sports bags? And it took me right back to school. This was like Torquay, Cuthbert, Main, Trumlands Road, 1991. Because at one point, every they were, they were like the, the main thing to have uh, head sports bags. And I believe, and I, I, didn't, I couldn't see this guy's bag well enough. But it was—it looked like an, you know, an, an original from the '80s. But I believe that the 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 key thing back in that era was to have a detachable. Like, you could d detach the front of the bag and carry it around like a purse, <laughs> bizarrely. Really, really bizarrely. Because I think, you know, if you think about bags, I, when you're at school or when you're, you're growing up, uh, the bag was kind of your extension of your personality. So it kind of showed what you're into, the kind of person you were. So let, let's have cards on the table this hour of home time tonight in honour of the head sports bag, which is iconic. And please tell us what bag did you have that defined you at school? Oh, man, I, I, I agree with what you've just said. It did define you, but... Given that's a given, I, I almost don't want to say, but I had one of those um, Midland Bank Griffin saver bags. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. And don't take this the wrong way. I, I had you down possibly for being that kid with a briefcase. There's <laughs> <laughs> always uh, one. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. But do you know what? Here's the really weird thing, right? I didn't bank with uh, Midland. But how did you, how did you get access to the, the 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 special you know promotional bag? I got one off my mate because everyone had those Griffin saver bags, and I didn't want to be left out. So I knew I had to have a banking bag, but I, it needed to be the financial institution of choice. 
What a sham. You may as well have gone around with like a Nick Leeson Bearings Bank bag. What a sham. Uh, Dave Bonehill said, back in the day, he had a Worthington Best Bitter uh, official sports bag that he got his dad got for him, wore it around school, and he was a legend. If you've got a bag like that, 8, 12, 15 to get in touch. Does the concept of bitter go with a sports bag? Is bitter even a thing anymore? Do people still drink bitter? I'd never go anywhere near it. (laughs) Duncan says, my friend had a a head bag, which was one of the bags that I saw the other day, but I spent one very boring lesson cutting out the letters D, I, C, and you can guess what, and sticking them on it. He slung it over his shoulder and didn't notice for ages. (laughs) It's worth it. Uh, Jonathan has sent us a picture of an absolute beauty. says, I had this one. Couldn't let it go. I've still got it 40 years later. I reckon this is worth a bob or two. It is the England football team Bulldog Bobby Blue Holdall from the Spain 1982 World Cup. And the picture that Jonathan has sent us, apart from maybe a couple of bits of ripped leather at the the bottom, which you'd expect after 40 years, it's in great nick. It looks good, and, and the, the mascot, uh, Bulldog Bobby, or whatever, he does look like an England fan that would have been hosed off plastic garden <laughs> furniture in a market square back in the darker days of football. Uh, Tom Cairns has mentioned one that I can't believe we haven't talked about so far. He says he had the khaki army rucksack from the Army and Navy shop in Sunderland, all the rage in the late 50s, early 60s. We just say a big thank you. We've had like nearly 300 comments on this. I think they should do a museum. Well, never a museum of bags, a bag museum. They've yes. got a pencil, pencil museum, for crying out loud. Yeah. What about a museum of bags from the 70s, 80s and 90s? That'd be great. Uh, Hannah and Becky would like to have their Benetton string bags in there. Is it that Ooh. I didn't obviously have one, but I do remember all the girls at school having the Benetton string bags. That was such a big thing at the time. Uh, Jan Burrow says, all the rage in the 70s, she had a basket. What about that? <laughs> well, as in like a wicker one? As in Goldilocks, an old school basket. <laughs> uh, very different uh, is what Lenny has sent in. Picture of his Adidas bag. This would not move, this thing. Uh, and he's described it as being the best bag for school. The great thing about it was uh, sliding it across ice to knock people over, he describes. Different times. Very different times. And and big respect again to anyone who did own an iconic head bag from back in the day. And if you did own one of them, please do get in touch with the show and tell us at what ratio did you bring in the mother bag or just go for the purse that zipped away from it. (laughs) The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie here with your Thursday night home time show. It's time for the film club where we pull resources, join together and come up with a recommendation of a movie for somebody in need. Uh, what a tale of woe we have this week. Hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk. That's how you can email us to get in touch. Ryan and Kate say, hi guys. I think the two of you will really understand our pain with little people in your houses too. Our telly... Leave it, just leave that there. Just leave it there. That's, yeah. yeah, we do, yeah. Uh, our telly has just been part destroyed by our three-year-old Clay having thumped the screen with a plastic golf club. The colour has basically drained and everything is all but black and white. So that we're not missing out, could you pick us a movie to watch that is actually in black and white? Can be a classic, can can be something arty and new. We just don't want to be missing out on any colour for once. Cheers, Ryan and Kate. Can I just say, before we even get to the film thing, this is exactly the situation that's going on in our house at the moment. Our, our youngest daughter, Stella, has hit the top of the telly and then bottom left of the TV with, yeah. with, I don't know what it is, like a 
some kind of truncheon or whatever. But there's two big, bur- they're purple patches. And you, and you really notice it if like, you're watching a football match or anything like that. Suddenly one team changes colour. So I feel your pain. So what, we're after black and white films? Is yes. that what they're saying? I would suggest you make a note of everything that comes in because you could be in the same situation very soon with no colour on your screen. Now, this is a big problem for me, Richie, because, uh, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, I stand by my words, even though producer Nick hates me for saying it, I don't think there are any good black and white movies. (laughs) Well, I will start us off then uh, with Double Indemnity that I remember watching when I was doing my GCSE. Turn it in. You don't like that film. You were forced to watch it just like I was <laughs> I during was, media studies. I was forced to watch it, which is why I've got memory of it. There's not a great deal of other black and white films I could uh, I could come forward with. But I think maybe because I'd watched it so much, I grew to like it. Why did people speak like that back then? Like double indemnity set in like LA in the 50s. Like there's a speed limit in this town. Mr. Jones is 50 miles an hour. Why I get off my bike and give you a ticket? Oh, my God, Captain, why do you speak like that? I don't know. I'm sorry. No one talks like that. Nobody, no one back then talked like that. Why do they do it? Do you have one to suggest? No, I don't. I can't suggest anything because they're all terrible. Um, well, look, there's two sides to this particular film club tonight. We're trying to hi- help out Ryan and Kate and see if there's one that we can get through that you'll, you'll actually pass. Well, unless I tell you what, play a song or whatever, and then we'll knock it on the head. If obviously people can't come in with anything because no, there are no good black and white films, and then <laughs> I would just do something different or put some more records on or something. One, <laughs> one half of this home time show has boldly declared there is no good black and white movie. So this is essentially a futile search because I can just tell you straight away that it, it's a waste of time because there aren't any good black and white films. So I mean, if you if you guys want to go through the motions and, and like name some, which deep down you'd watch them and think this is alright but I wish it was in colour then yeah let's go ahead hundreds have so we've got (laughs) we've got quite a list let me go with a solid and safe suggestion first of all because it's an all time classic Christmas movie Uh, Alan Brown is among many others suggesting It's a Wonderful Life is that the guy who's clearly just had way too many like Stellas on Christmas Day and then has made something up? Has he seen a ghost or something like that? He's just been drinking. James Stewart, 1946. Yes, you are aware of it. It's a wonderful life. It's, it's got 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb. It's one of the highest rating films of all time. You cannot watch a Christmas movie in March. It doesn't work like that. But no, we, we literally spoke to someone earlier this week who was having a Christmas dinner in March. I know, but we all agreed he was weird. <laughs> all right, OK. Here's another one for you. You've already knocked back It's a Wonderful Life. So many people, and I can't believe it's taken us a little while to get to this one, going with The Artist. 2011, so it's a modern-day black-and-white movie. It won five Oscars. That don't make any difference. I've seen the trailer for it, and it looks terrible. And I bet everyone who sat there and watched it thought, oh, yeah, it's like quite highbrow, but they absolutely couldn't wait for it to wrap up and get into the bar. It's a silent movie as well. It's got John Goodman in. And it'd be like, if if you're hamstringing yourself with it being black and white, why add the pressure on top of then it being silent? Just give people a break. (laughs) I respect you. I respect you for not moving from your opinion on this, but I can't believe I'm hearing. I'm like an evil Barry Norman. (laughs) (laughs) 
so my theory on this is that there are no black, no good black and white movies, and I do stand by that. Though I, someone's texted in who I thought might have a little chink in my armour. Dan from Scarborough says Sin City. There you go. An absolute comic book masterpiece. Brilliant film. Brilliant comic book. However, they've got little red glowing eyes in it, so it's not technically oh. black and white. So it's disqualified. <laughs> thought we nearly yes. had something. Dan Busters, yeah. you love a you love a war movie. What about Dan Busters? No, it'll all be kind of people with the army hats on sideways with like, you know, when they've got shadow going over their eyes from the blind, get, get, get lost. <laughs> Casablanca, 8.5 out of 10. Um, Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, come on. Whiff of GCSE Media Project about that one. I can smell it now. <laughs> we need to decide on a film. We're not going to decide. We're not. This is unresolved. <laughs> Uh, well, all I will say to uh, to Ryan and Kate, it's a wonderful life. The artist, Casablanca, there's three, you choose, and it means we haven't made a decision. This is The Daily Takeaway. Just been thinking more about what we were talking about at the beginning of this particular episode of The Daily Takeaway. Do you not think the show itself could be even better if we were allowed to have a smoke machine in the live radio studio? <laughs> I think it'd be amazing. At the moment, we just come on and start talking, but yeah. the, if we've got dry, dry ice there or whatever, we could yeah. have walk-on stuff, lasers, all that kind of thing. Well, I was just thinking about all the different ways we could do it. Like you say, we'd have a walk-on at the beginning of the show. I think it would really ramp things up with how things started. But then also, say, for example, you know, we're, we're mid-show, we're introducing a new topic, there's a little bit of suspense to it. Maybe I'm telling you a story that you haven't yet heard. <laughs> and then as I'm telling it... Building up the suspense, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly a load of smoke coming out of the desk. You'll be really, you'd be more in the zone. I like it. And imagine I'm, I'm telling you a story of something yep. that's going on. You've oh, fired yeah. up the smoke alarm, a smoke mm-hmm. um, machine. We've got lights there as well. It'd be like um, trying to play football in a really like intimidating away game on the continent or something. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Flares. Exactly. I think it's a strong pitch. We're going to put it to the Absolute Radio Engineers tomorrow. We'll let you know how we get on. Barry's got a bell. Give us a smoke machine. 